Welcome to episode seven of Not My Forte with Joel and Ian. This is Joel, and today we continue our season one quest through the music of the Beatles. And of course, for my co-host Ian, it is his first time ever hearing it. Last week, we started our in-depth discussion of Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band with our guest, John Mays. If you haven't yet listened to that part one episode, go check it out now and hear us talk about the first side of this monumental album. This week, we're talking about the second side of Sgt. Pepper's, and as you're about to hear, this one starts off with maybe the biggest disagreement we've had over a song so far. We're also discussing the album cover and artwork, so I'd recommend finding at least a photo of the Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band album cover so you can have an idea of what we're talking about later on in the episode. And as always, we'd love it if you would listen to the album along with us on Apple Music or Spotify or however you listen to music, especially the last track on the album, A Day in the Life. I didn't want to leave out any of that track at all, but I can only include so much of these recordings. You'll hear us pretty much react to that whole song in real time, even though you'll just be hearing our voices for most of it. Follow us on Instagram at Not My Forte Podcast and like our Facebook page, Not My Forte with Joel and Ian, so you can hear about new episodes and special guests and anything else show related. That's all for now. Please enjoy episode seven of Not My Forte. Side two. Side two. Okay, within you, without you. Amen. Oh, boy. Okay. Uh, this this might be, like, controversial, but I feel like this is my least favorite song. Oh, yeah. That's wow. not controversial. No? Okay. Yeah. Okay. okay. It's good. controversial to me, but that's No, fine. it's not. Really? Yeah, he, I was like, I, f- I feel like I've been there, done that with these guys already when I get yeah. to this oh, point. I feel gosh. like I'm just, like, hearing George Wax, like, uh, his Eastern like music stuff which is cool it has a place but i feel like it 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 just felt like an unnecessary expression on this album of of all the things george could contribute right i mean he wrote something Mm -hmm. he wrote here comes the sun right and that this is his contribution to this record to me was a disappointment yeah yeah but it is exactly where he was at at the time yeah personally I think this is the best song on the album. Oh, yeah. are you kidding me? No, I actually, <laughs> no, I, I'm, I'm here for this one though. Yeah. Okay. Um, I think that the melody of this, the, I would say the, the chief criticism I would have for it is that it's derivative of a lot of Indian stuff. Like he is kind of just doing this thing that he's brought back from his travels, because um, there's a lot of stuff that sounds kind of like this. But the melodies of this, like this, is so different from. The oh. stuff that they've done, and the way that they, they he pairs these lyrics to the melodies, it's difficult to hear what he's saying because the phrases kind of stretch mm-hmm. on for so long. But that's what the song's about. Yeah, the song is about paying attention and not letting all the lights and stuff distract you. I do feel like Jeff Buckley probably listened to this song a lot, actually. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Who I think is one of the greatest sure. of all time, but still, I feel like this. I do think I also I just like the lyrics too. I feel like the uh, there's no chorus really, but mm-hmm. saying with our love we could save the world if they only knew. Try to realize it's all within yourself. No one else can make you change, and to see you're really only very small, and life flows on within you and without you. There's a lot if you just read it. I think by itself without hearing it in that context, it 
it makes mm-hmm. more sense. It's easier to hear. But uh, yeah, you guys, I know what you're talking about. I uh, I would say if I've got to find something impressive about this track, it's the string arrangement. Yeah. Mm. And I always just think about him, George, going in there and like, here's what I want you to play. Yeah. I want you to go. And, yes. So <laughs> yeah. weird. And yeah. all the minor seconds and all that yeah. stuff. So yeah. that's fun. Yeah. All right, cool. I also like that kind of music, so I'm... I'm yeah, I, I realize that this is you know maybe it's it this is for me this song is like I'm the I'm the target audience. <laughs> okay, I wrote in my I'm not notes. Not sure what that says is, about you. I wrote in my <laughs> notes if this song came out in 2022, I would think it's pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> like it seems pretty timeless to me. It's cool. Oh. <laughs> hey, music is subjective, right? There you like, go. Mm-hmm. And how it hits you. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, that's what's important. Well, one last thing before we move on. Would you say that that track ties in with the record? No. Okay. No, no, no. Because that's the other thing that bugs me. It feels so inserted sure. into a pretty cohesive sound and feel. Yeah. Yeah. I think that it feels like it's a whole album of that, though, for me. That's why I've, mm-hmm. uh, out of all of their albums, even the White Album, I would say that this one feels the most disjointed, especially because of the song right before that. And there are so many kind of wild sounds on it, and like you have a, a you have an album where you have, when I'm 64, Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds, right. you know she's leaving home. I mean, these but are I can just, find threads in all those that yeah. are the same tapestry. That's true. I would I, say I can't on this one. Yeah, it's just there's no other beat. It's just George and some yeah. some like Indian musicians on this. So I I will say that you could definitely criticize it for that and saying that like yeah. it's not the Beatles as much as is George, which of course. See the same thing about Paul. A lot of, a lot of his songs. D- don't you think Paul somewhere was going? Oh crap! Here do he we goes have again. to do this? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It is the only George he might, song. He might come oh, no. again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Right. Okay. So when I'm, when I'm 64, that's the name of it. Right? Yeah. Okay. I don't know if Randy Newman <laughs> like put a like video outs at some point in time and said thank you Beatles for writing this Great song. Great comparison. <laughs> but yeah. like I feel like he could attribute. Yeah, oh, as brilliant of a writer as he is, I mean, yeah. these guys have a yeah a a, a, a uh, cast a die for that type of yeah. characteristic. Yeah, he, he of could a have song. cut this. He could have yeah recorded this, and it would feel like his voice. Yeah, and I love it. I love the song so much. It's just it's catchy. It's mm-hmm. yeah. has a quirkiness to it that fits the aesthetic of the album and the character of the album. And yeah, I just love it. Love this song. That was my only takeaway. Really, it's. It just it just hits you in the feels and like a yeah. very heartwarming right. kind of like I feel good about life today, you know, <laughs> yeah. kind of thing. So again, uh, I get to bring a unique perspective to this mm-hmm. of hearing it as a kid, probably a teenager, and going sixty four, and I'll be sixty six next month. Oh wow! <laughs> and that sixty four was so old, and it, yeah. and I you know I don't know if culture has changed or I've just gotten that old now. I'm like, oh no, that's not old, but. uh that that would be the age you use to talk about being pretty old. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> here I am. Yeah. Passed, I wrote, <laughs> Passed it now. My first note on here is, and now for something completely different. Yeah. Uh, after those last two. Uh, it's such a, diff, you know, such a, a left turn. Um, Paul wrote this when he was about 14 in 1956. Mm. This was one of the first songs he ever wrote. Wow. Yeah. It was almost pre-rock and roll. 
he said that he was very much, his dad was a musician. His dad was much more in this kind of like cabaret kind of style. And so it was very much influenced by that. And so this was like way, way pre-Beatles. I think he had the whole thing done. I think it was complete all the way back then. Yeah. That's amazing. Uh, two clarinets and a bass clarinet on, is the arrangement mm-hmm. on top of the rhythm section. Yes. Which is uh, perfect. Yes. It's the vaudeville thing, you know. Yeah. Yeah, which and again, Randy Newman. It feels like oh yeah, that he would he would use that instrumentation on many songs. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Paul's dad, Jim, turned sixty four in the year that they were recording this. Oh, so I don't know if that's serendipitous. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah, <laughs> very cool. Uh, well, I hope you guys have something for lovely Rita. Cause I <laughs> I actually just didn't grab me. I was like, I listened to it. For me, yeah. this is the this is the least good. I think one of so, of the albums. So would it be within you, without you, at the bottom? Then this then one, this one, one yeah. <laughs> okay, yeah. But at least I had something to say about within. Yeah, without because it was like okay, uh-huh. like he's doing the same thing that he's already done. Yeah. But on this one, I just was just like, right. I don't even know what to say about this song. Yeah, just, yeah. I like it. Yeah. It's Paul. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's it's a singable melody yeah. and kind of fun that you. Instead of being mad because you got a ticket, you're right. kind of you, you want to flirt with the girl who gave you the ticket. Sure. Right? Yeah, sure. Yeah, it's kind of a cute story. It's yeah. kind of like drive my car a little bit, yep. where it's kind of like a, a kind of a flirty thing. Um, apparently, so meter maid is an American thing, and they're just called traffic wardens. Uh, that sounds in like, the UK. It sounds like really tough. Like. I'm a traffic warden. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. like a traffic warlock. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so he learned that, I guess Paul had just learned that Americans would call a female traffic warden a meter maid, and he thought that was just hilarious and weird. And then he got a ticket that morning, I think, coming into EMI yeah. and by a lady, and he her name definitely wasn't Rita. <laughs> right. He said, I think his quote was, she seemed like a Rita. <laughs> <laughs> Is it, so that would but that the, be the version of like a, what people call a Karen now? Like was it a Rita back then? <laughs> oh, maybe. <laughs> maybe. But That's the good. internal rhyme of Rita and Meter. Lovely Mita, Rita, you know? Mita Maze. Yeah. 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 I do, every time I hear the word Rita, I do think about this song. Oh, yeah. Huh. Even yeah. though it's not one of my favorite Beatles songs. So uh, another weird uh, recording element. Three of the guys are playing what is called comb and paper. Oh, Which I guess really? putting a piece of paper over yep. a comb and... Humming um, over like it. Like a kazoo. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. yeah. Cool. Wow. That's kind of fun. Okay, yeah, I yeah. love that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. You'd think that, yeah, it's kind of funny thinking that this and Mr. Kite are on the same record where you're just the standard of creativity yeah. you, and like yeah. what's interesting. You got to wonder like, I guess they couldn't all be. There's a great quote by John during Hard Day's Night because Hard Day's Night was really when he, he burnt out and he was just being right. asked to write everything. And he said, he said the the need for new songs was becoming quote a hell of a problem. <laughs> he like said that to the press. He said in an interview. <laughs> you can just imagine someone saying that nowadays. Yeah. He was just like, yeah, I don't know what else to do, man. I'm just writing so many songs. Well, to that point, actually, <laughs> feels one, like that. one of my thoughts about this was like, did everything that they, everything that they wrote and cut on this were there songs that were unreleased? I think you kind of allured to that a little mm-hmm. bit. Like, but was there even mm-hmm. beyond those? I think two songs you shared that like there was the first two singles. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, Penny Lane and uh, Strawberry Fields. Strawberry Fields Forever were during these. Yeah, but they they were, we'll hit those on the next album. But yeah, they I don't think were there any other B sides. I, I feel like so. they didn't really do that because it costs so much money. Mm. Uh, this album. Oh, this is a good time to introduce this. But this, I will say those are the first two tracks cut for this record. Right. Oh. And when you listen to them in that context, they totally fit. They gotcha. would belong on Sgt. Pepper. Absolutely. George yeah. Martin said it was one of the greatest regrets of his professional yes. career that he didn't put those songs on this record. Really? Yeah. And it makes sense. It's like Strawberry Fields feels like this. And yes. Lane feels like this. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, here's a crazy statistic. Uh, Please Please Me was recorded in about 10 to 15 hours. Rubber Soul was about 80 hours. Revolver was 220 hours. This was between four and 700 hours. Yeah. So think, we're talking literally, what is that? That's 40, four, 40 four times yeah. the amount of actual time, just not even counting mixing. I think it was within four months. And when you mm -hmm. think that they would record a whole record in a day when they started, that's incredible. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. the moral to the story is if you're paying for studio time, don't <laughs> drop acid, right? <laughs> <laughs> or they'll put you on the roof. They'll put you on the roof. And, and you I still got to pay. <laughs> I believe it said also that the, the budget for this was about a half a million pounds in today's. But I, I don't think the Beatles ever thought about it, what a budget was. I no. think George had to. Sure. And by this time, George was an A&R person for the label. So he's more George than Martin, just a yeah. producer, and I guarantee you he was more conscious of the mm -hmm. budget. Mm. And, and that's probably yeah. risky for him to make it, this record well, not only spend that, that much on it. This one, those first two singles went out, and it was the only time those had ne those uh, it, they didn't go number one in the UK. Um, I think oh, they went right, number yeah. one in America, but it was the first time that the Beatles had released a single that didn't go number one. So every publication had come out yep. and said the Beatles are dead. It's over. Oh, it's wow. over. That's it. And so that had to have been... George Martin had to have been thinking about that. Like, when yeah. we sell this thing, is it going to... How much we spent on this? Yeah. So that's, how, what you, that's from your world, John. You know what that feels like. Yeah. <laughs> how many units did this album actually move? Is it... I don't like, know. All of them. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's got to be one of the best-selling best -selling records of all time. To, before we close, just to yeah. say, yeah, George played the piano solo on this record. and George I Martin? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I swear, every solo he has on any Beatles record yeah. is so loud in the mix. <laughs> really? <laughs> yes. It's like, I'm so proud of this. We were talking about <laughs> In My Life. He plays that harpsichord solo on a... Oh, shoot. In My Life. Da, 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 we're talking da, da, da. In My yeah. Life. It's, it's so actually, loud. It's a piano. We, it's a piano that was recorded at half speed. That's right. And that's why that's it right. sounds wonky. Yeah. Yep. No, absolutely. He it's knows. Like, he's front and center. That's right. That's yeah. so funny. Give us your thoughts on Good Morning, Good Morning. I'm going to find some sales figures for... Uh, okay. There you go. All right. Well, um, my takeaway on that was, well, first, is this a John, John mm -hmm. Lennon song? Okay. Absolutely. All right. Um, I thought there were... I think what clued me in on that was all the neat changes that he had. We talked about this last time. Time he, signatures. He does absolutely. these interesting time signature yeah. changes that don't make sense, but he does it, and it works really, really well, and it keeps the whole song moving. I feel like he's a master of just, like, keeping this yep. thing moving quickly but not mm -hmm. but not minimizing uh, effectiveness or creativity or, or quality, you know, yeah. it's, which is very hard to do. It doesn't it never feels rushed. It feels like it's just the right, right amount of time. Yeah. But is there something there that it's it's very unpredictable? And the first time you listen to it, you feel a little jerked around mm. by all those kinds of changes. And then 
it becomes one of your favorite songs, yeah. and it's <laughs> doing what it's supposed to do, right? Right. Yeah. I think it th- that's always my experience with John. I was not I was kind of almost an anti John when mm-hmm. I was a kid. I was definitely a Paul guy. Yeah. I think I still kind of am, although I'm as Ian knows, I'm much more of a George guy as I get older. But mm-hmm. um all of these little things like here's a great example. Um on She's Leaving Home, when John goes, uh we gave her most of our lives. And he goes, sacrifice most of our lives. Yeah. I always hated that because I was like, he just rhymed lives with lives. That's so stupid. Because <laughs> when I was a kid and I was just learning how to write songs, uh-huh. I was like, well, that's stupid. That's lazy. Yeah. And then the same kind of thing where he would write, he would like in Across the Universe or something where he would kind of play an extra beat Mm-hmm. To to accommodate his own lyric, yes. I think, oh, what a lazy son, you know. Like, yeah, maybe he was. <laughs> maybe he was, but n- the older I get, the more I, and the more music I hear, the more I appreciate that stuff. And yeah. I, I look at it and I'm like, I actually love that. I love, and I hear that it doesn't strike me at all weird now when I hear that line. Yeah, him kind of singing the same word twice. I'm like, I actually like that now. Hey, just as a side note, because you said it, did you said George is becoming one your favorite? Is that because of Get Back? The no. documentary. Have you seen the no. documentary? No, not okay. no, yet. Will. That will become that. a part of this. But yeah. he came up a lot of rungs in that documentary for me. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's because of his post-Beatles stuff. Okay. Yeah. All right. I get it's, that. It's be- Well, all but things must his, pass. But his humility that mm-hmm. comes through in the documentary where Absolutely. he talks about other guitar players and wishing they would get other guitar players. Like, like I can't play this. Let's get Clapton to play this. Uh, right. And he's... By common acclamation, one of the greatest guitar players ever lived, he had such humility about his own playing. Yeah, and insecurity. Mm-hmm. That's a it. huge theme. Uh, I think yeah. a lot of his, especially his early songs, it's so much about. It. And it's interesting seeing that later. Yes, you know that's it, it. Kind of continued in that way. Yeah. John wrote this after seeing a cornflakes ad on TV, right. and he thought the song was really stupid. Later. He thought all these songs were stupid later. Something that's really interesting, like <laughs> really? so many, except for like maybe, maybe, you know, A Day in the Life or something, he would maybe look back later and say that's a great song. John also seems like he just does, he t- doesn't take himself seriously at all. Right. And I think versus Paul, who takes himself very seriously, Ooh. where it's it feels like all of these songs that John did back then, he just doesn't care about anymore. Mm-hmm. It seems like he's ready to just kind of turn the page, especially you know, some of these, these like Good Morning or Benefit of Mr. Kite or whatever, yeah. which is a shame because I feel like there's some really good stuff in there. Mm. One note on this, there's two drum credits, one for Paul, one for Ringo. Oh. And I feel like there's a really different drum energy on this track. If you play really? especially the, yeah. like the snare feel, fills are not what Ringo would play. Okay. It's a crazy drum part. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Hear that drum fill? Ringo wouldn't play that on doesn't it just hit different? Yeah. Paul had a little more of a killer instinct on the drums yeah. for sure. Not as creative no, as no. Ringo, but... Yeah, like it's that. like pretty... Ringo yeah. never played yeah. a fill like that. Yeah. <laughs> so, But <laughs> but great. he does have a drum credit, so I don't know who did what. But. Uh, sounds like there's a couple layers there for sure, so yeah. I wonder if Ringo was kind of doing that Tom stuff or something. Hmm. All right. So next is Sergeant Pepper's The Reprise, the Reprise. Yep. which 
I love that they do this. Just call <laughs> yeah. back to the beginning. I mean, this is my well, one takeaway. Like, how a cool totally thing. different take on yeah. it, right? Yeah. yeah. This one, this one kicks a little bit of ass. Yeah, this <laughs> is my favorite. <laughs> this one. It's not as silly. Yeah. This is like the River Bottom Nightmare Band playing. Yeah. yeah. You know, this is like their alter multiverse Beatles. They're locked in. Yeah. Can you hear the maracas? Yeah. That's Ringo. Yeah. They're like, all right, we're done. We're done messing around. Yeah. We're kicking your door. No in. more French horns here. <laughs> That's it's right. There's <laughs> a great modulation, too. Great, great note on this one. Ooh. This is sung by all four Beatles. Very rare that you get all four of them singing a song. That's right. I can't pick out Ringo, but that's what that's what Wikipedia said. Yeah. Maybe they just told him he was singing on it. <laughs> right. Maybe he counted they it the off. Old, the old church worship leader <laughs> trick, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Turn the mics off on the background vocalists. <laughs> I don't know what Paul's. I uh, know it, but it's next. awesome. Yeah, and is that the same crowd from where'd you say? I think so. I bet yeah. it is. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So. Oh my gosh. So this song actually, before it even, yeah, before I even got to the vocal, I knew in the first ten seconds it was going to be my favorite song on the album. Actually, yeah. I'm literally just from that intro. Just from and... that intro, I was like, <laughs> okay, I just got hit with something that's. Yeah. I know there's something really special about yeah. this song. This is arguably the top, the best song. That they ever did. Yeah. I've got a Leonard Bernstein quote I'll read you guys Ooh, okay. at the end. I think, yeah, this is, I think this is the pinnacle of John and Paul. Hmm. Yeah. I've got a theory on on okay. the Paul interjection here in the middle. Yeah, okay. Hmm. Uh, this, um, the Guinness heir, his name was Tara Brown. His, his name was, he was 21 years old and he had died in a car crash and so they read about it. I read the news today, in the news, and so that's what, that's what kind of sparked this one. Wow. I think they were reading a lot of newspapers at that point. The Toms on this one. Oh, again. Ringo's parts. I, I agree. Maybe John's best vocal. It feels that way to me. Oh, I mean, yeah. It does. It's kind of, did you ever see that movie, uh, The Secret Life of Walter Mitty? Yeah. Yeah. Where they're looking at, the, well, they're looking at the uh, this snow leopard or whatever they yeah, call this Sean animal, Penn. right? I yeah. think Sean Penn says something along the lines of like, something that's beautiful doesn't have to ask Ooh. for to for its beauty to be acknowledged. It's just mm, beautiful, yeah. mm. and that I feel like, I feel like that phrase or whatever it really yeah. illustrates what this song is. Like it just invites an appreciation for something very beautiful. Yeah, and this thing here. My gosh. To yeah. imagine it first and then to actually pull it off. What was it like hearing this for the first time? Yeah. And can at you that, imagine these point. classical players in their suits doing this? Oh, yeah. that. Okay, so this. Yeah. Clearly a different song. Yeah. That's what I wrote in my notes. Yeah. Here. yeah. That yeah. just got stuck into, yeah. works perfectly. Yep. But. Was this a foreshadowing for what Paul would do much later in Wings, where jamming songs together yeah. all Band the time? Band on the Run, yeah. Band on the Run, uh, Admiral Halsey. Yeah. Those are two totally different songs put together just like this. I don't think anybody had done it before this in Beatles. But it's this or... part right here. Oh, yeah. And it, they both... 
yeah, absolutely to put fit. them back together. Yeah. And couldn't this have been a four-minute chant, this whole thing right yeah, here? Yeah, it really could have. Yeah. Yeah. Stop Absolutely it. stunning. <laughs> it's, it's almost hard to even comment on it. You just yeah. like, it just takes your breath away, really. It's everything good about them. It's all of their greatest parts put together. It's Paul's greatest things. It's John's greatest things. It's Ringo's greatest things. Yeah. I know we're getting close to a moment where I, I just have a curiosity about yeah. like how they created this the like, chaotic thing. thing. Yeah. That goes into maybe like my favorite part where it's just this piano that yeah. <laughs> yeah. This orchestra yeah. part was dubbed four times. So they brought an orchestra in okay. and they record it four times and they put all four on yeah. it. Yeah. And just said, start here and get there by this in yeah. this many bars. Yeah. Oh wow. That note is so constructed, like the the thought that went into that to get it perfectly that yeah. is its own story. Really? Yeah, that's it's 40 seconds. And check this out. I'm going to turn it up. You can hear, listen, you can hear office noise. You can hear chair creaking. You yep. can hear, like, papers rustling in the next room because, <laughs> like, they compressed that last one. 40 seconds. They, they let that chord ring for 40 seconds there at the end. That that chord is three pianos. It's John. It's all. It's live. Mm-hmm. It's no overdubs. It's John, Paul, Ringo, Mal Evans, their uh, their roadie guy, or tour manager on three pianos, all with two hands. And then mm-hmm. George Martin is playing a harmonium. Mm. Okay. And you can hear it. You can hear it on the left side there. Listen on the left side. You can hear this kind of. Oh yeah. And I'm I'm excited about this because now Ian finally understands part of the theme song that I made. Yes. Yeah. For the podcast. So, had you heard the theme song before you heard this? Yes. <laughs> yes. And it felt very like. Um, once I listened to this, I was like, "Oh, I see how it's derivative." Yeah. Um, <laughs> yes. What do you mean derivative? Well, like, well, not deri- You know what I'm saying? Influenced. Yeah. It's supposed to be. I'm I'm joking. Yeah. <laughs> The whole point of it is that it sounds like this. Yeah. Well, you did a great yeah. job of that. I couldn't do that. I definitely uh, couldn't do that. So you ready yeah. for this quote? Yeah. And this is Leonard Bernstein, who, if listeners mm-hmm. don't know, credited as probably the greatest American composer-conductor, uh, died about a decade ago or, or 15 years ago, maybe. Uh, even John, who could be dismissive of his work with the Beatles, acknowledged that a day in the life was a pretty damn good piece of work. Uh In 1967, the distinguished conductor and composer Leonard Bernstein expressed his admiration for the remarkable musical achievements of the group. That's the Beatles, always unpredictable and a bit more inventive than most. He later wrote, three bars of a day in the life will sustain me rejuvenate me and inflame my senses and sensibilities. Wow. Three bars. For Leonard Bernstein <laughs> to say that about your music. Yeah. Wow. Like that had to, so many people had to have taken the Beatles seriously that didn't before yeah. after him saying that. Absolutely. A generation of people. Yeah. Or just after hearing this album. You'd have to imagine that there's a huge portion of the world who still thought of them as you know, please, please me, I want to hold your hand, and had written them off like that. Like I think about who, you know, I think of, um, I don't know, Kesha or, you know, different pop artists where I'm like, okay, yeah, Yeah. kind of a one-note thing. I see you. I get it. You're a big deal. And then 
five years later, all of a sudden, they what? What if they came out with something that just changed your entire opinion of them, and you're like, mm. "Oh my god!" Like, yeah, I would. I mean, this is kind of a crazy comparison, but Miley Cyrus is someone who good point. Yeah, she, you know, at the beginning, this total bubblegum pop thing, mm-hmm. and then as she gets older, she's done these really interesting, different things. Even like Wrecking Ball. Yeah, that'll break your heart. That song. Yeah, and her interpretation of it. Yeah, Harry Styles. That's the one for right yeah. now. Like yeah. he's someone who. He is. I mean, he. They're almost like the, the new Beatles, which is you know, One Direction, yeah. this huge British thing. But goodness, like that guy, he was he was in that thing, and he was singing "That's What Makes You Beautiful," mm-hmm. and here he is now, just making stuff that's like so confident and weird and different yeah. in himself. Like, so we do miss- have one more track. We do have. Oh, we do. Did you miss this one, Ian? The Run Out Groove. I did miss it. Well, so yeah, we maybe so you didn't miss much. The experience—it's <laughs> the it's I typical think, Beatles silliness. Yeah. The experience is really if you're listening to it on vinyl, that's the, where you re- receive this experience the best. <laughs> so if you're listening to it on vinyl, that's going to go on forever. It's oh. this. It's this. Inner ring right here. Yep. So if your if your phone if your turntable doesn't have like an automatic return feature, it's just gonna stay there. It's just gonna wow. play there. And that was I think that was a Johnism. Yeah, I feel like that belonged on the White Album. Yeah, <laughs> that one that piece. Yeah. 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 I yeah. I sort of like when that after that note and it started uh-huh. to decay. Yeah. Why? Would, I felt like I just like needed course. to smoke a cigarette or something like that because <laughs> it's just a dry. And I was like, wow. Yeah, why would you was, think of anything else? Right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, um, it, it's kind of like don't do that now. Yeah. But then it's that's so Beatles. Yeah. To do that, it's foreshadowing. Yeah. Yes, it's foreshadowing a little bit of Abbey Road, which we're, we'll get to. We'll get to when we get mm-hmm. to. Um, John, does your does your version? I believe this is a 1967 American. It's Capital, so yeah. I assume it's American. Does it have this? Well, this this has it. By my version, are you talking about this package? Yeah, yeah. 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 This is what came in all the yes, all the vinyl. <laughs> yeah. Yes. So the they poster. came out these little epaulets and these these stickers, right? Yeah. There's like there's a mustache. That you can you can punch all these out. There's, oh, um, okay. Are they perforations? Or you have to cut them. You can cut these know. out. There's a little legend on here that tells you what. Yeah. They are. There's a mustache, a picture card of Sergeant Pepper, <laughs> who's who's not a real person. <laughs> um, oh, I'm so disappointed. <laughs> there's the stripes <laughs> that go on your jacket. Huh. There's the badges. Uh, which is his face, and then Lonely Lonely Hearts Club Band bass drum, and then this little I I don't know this little stand up cardboard thing of of all four Beatles, but yeah that was that went out in all of the pretty fun and all of those yep I don't know whose idea that was I feel like that was maybe a EMI thing well it, th- in these days it feels so Sunday school you know to yeah. get the cutouts <laughs> yeah uh, yeah but. And that day is a pretty cool thing. Absolutely. Wow. Well, at this point, we should probably talk briefly about the cover art, yeah. right? You might be interested in this. Oh, Ooh, yeah. If you haven't seen that. Oh, so, no, yeah, I'm John sure. has a, in his, in the book that came in this box set, there's kind of a, it looks like a paint by numbers, but it's it's all of the different cardboard cutouts on the cover uh, with that are linked uh, to like a legend. Yeah, that tells you exactly what they all are. 
Um, apparently, they wanted to put Jesus, Gandhi, and Hitler mm-hmm. on it, and EMI wouldn't let them. Yeah, like, okay, too far. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Oh, so, yeah, what am I thinking? In my mind, when I looked at it, I was like, I wonder how they Photoshopped all that. But, like, it's, so they're literal oh, cardboard no, they, cutouts yeah. of all that. Yep. There's a picture in there of this actual photo set. Oh, cool. Yeah. With all those people in it. Yeah, there's, is that Edgar Allan Poe? Mm-hmm. Uh, May West... Charlie Chaplin and uh, themselves, oh, Marlon look Brando. Look at that. It's amazing. Uh, and Paul and Bob Dylan. Yeah. Paul said, people asked him why Elvis wasn't on here. And he said that he's too important. <laughs> so much for Bob important. Dylan. <laughs> right. uh, yeah, yeah. That's do amazing. You, do you wonder, like, was name and likeness rights a thing back then? I, I thought the same exact thing Did when I was somebody, looking at this. Because you'd think... You'd think, um, <laughs> okay, you'd think that another band would look at this and be like, oh, right, just put all the most famous people in the world on your... Right. Yeah, why didn't we think of that? But like Marilyn Monroe <laughs> and her estate, right? Would you, wouldn't you have to clear that? And yeah. did somebody clear all those? She must have just died, right? Or maybe they just felt like we're the Beatles, right? We no, we what? do it. What's maybe. anybody going to do? Yeah. Right. yeah that's or maybe it wasn't wild. a thing back then, like yeah. to license your... Your, your like image this, right. to someone. Maybe not. I don't know. Or maybe they just saw it as, maybe some of the people saw it as like, well, we're going to benefit from our likeness yeah. being on the Why most famous band's be, yeah. album cover. Like, were they even notified? Right. You know? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, that's something for the lawyers to figure out, I guess. Uh, yeah, the Rolling Stones sweatshirt, <laughs> I think, is the funniest piece of this. There's just a doll... Yeah, on the side wearing a sweater that says "Welcome the Rolling Stones." Oh. And down here in front, there's like a garden gnome, just some weird stuff. Yeah, sitting in the front. There's a. I never. There was a, tr- a trivia question a little while ago. I think. I think it was maybe we were at a trivia night or something, and it said, "What does the, what do the flowers spell out?" And I didn't know because. I've spent so little time looking at this part of it. <laughs> right. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm looking up here. I right. could tell you what some of the people were, and I could tell you what they're wearing or what they're holding even. But I I forget that it says Beatles and red flowers. W- whose idea was it? Like uh, the d- the designer. They they talk yeah. about him in the in the book here. Well, and Paul. Paul wanted to start. Yeah. yeah. He had the idea of putting other people's faces on the cover, but. Uh, this designer is the one that pulled it off. His name yeah. is in here. W.C. Fields. <laughs> right. Yeah, all these. And here's the yeah. 3D version. Oh, that's cool. It. Yeah. Oh. I know uh, Alistair Crowley really got a lot of press for <laughs> yep. being on this thing. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, there's a chapter in the book here on, on the cover and how they pulled it off. Huh. But I think, Paul, like, what if we use other people on the cover? I think that was consistent with we're right. not the band. Right. And then... This designer guy took it. The photographer took it to a whole nother level. And there's this whole, there's this whole like t- talking about that theme too about his his desire for Sergeant Pepper's in itself. Like, I mean, it's so symbolic. There's the kind of the the Fab Four version, version of them, yeah, in wax figures right here. Next, you know, what other way? What better way to like tell the world like this isn't us anymore? Look, yeah, we're, we're right here. You know, we're different than that. Yeah. I would say for like somebody that like has like 
like wants to see things symmetrically, they'd have a difficult time looking at mm -hmm. that cover because of the palm tree over in the corner. There. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh, they run out of cutouts or <laughs> right. what happened? That's so we funny. were talking earlier about you're learning about the conspiracies that went around yes. the Beatles. You know about the Paul is dead one. Yeah, right. I've heard about this. Yeah, yeah. So, the, yeah. The, there was a contributor on this cover to the theory and it's the hand being above his head. Huh. There, there's a an open-palmed hand above Paul's head that everybody was like, that's signifying that he's dead. Mm -hmm. Really? And then if you look on the back? Yep, he's facing oh, he's backwards. Facing backwards. So did Paul, was Paul aware of this? Oh, yeah. Okay, so maybe One, he His was famous like, quote is, uh, you've probably heard it, that rumors of my death are greatly exaggerated. <laughs> <laughs> or the, uh, the Chris Farley show. SNL, oh, yeah. he would have, you know, yeah. you know, do you remember that? He, Chris oh, Farley would have people on and he, he would have actual famous people and he would just be like, Paul, he had Paul on. He'd be like, you remember that time you were in the Beatles <laughs> and you played the Ed Sullivan show? And then Paul would be like, yeah, yeah. And he'd be like, that was, that was awesome. Awesome, man. <laughs> and, and then, <laughs> that, and then you he had that really, song that, hey, Jude, remember that song? <laughs> and yeah, Paul's like, yeah. yeah, yeah. He goes, that was cool. <laughs> you know, that's the whole point. And then he gets really angry at himself. And he's like, stupid. But he had Paul. And he goes, remember when there's, everyone was saying you were dead? And Paul's like, yeah, I remember that. And he's like, was that just a rumor? <laughs> <laughs> we need to put that video in the uh, yeah, yeah. In the show yeah. notes. Show notes. Um, <laughs> oh, so John alluded to this earlier, but Pet Sounds by the Beach Boys and Freak Out by uh, Frank Zappa were both listed by Paul as things that, that inspired him to do mm -hmm. this. That mm. basically, I think the Beatles weren't feeling particularly inspired uh, at the end of after Revolver and of course when they were finished and they said they were never going to tour again they just weren't really feeling it and then he heard these other records come out yeah. and he heard what other people were doing and he thought man I don't want to let those guys have the last word I don't want people to hear Revolver and then hear Pet Sounds mm -hmm. and say like because the obvious is well Brian Wilson kind of he kind of did one up to him yeah. a little bit you know yeah yeah so it, these and this would spurn this great kind of rivalry between the two of them. Right, and isn't that a good... Um, there can be a good thing about comparison. Sure. Yeah. We, we talk about it these days like... Of course. ...the demon of comparison and how bad that is for your creative life, but there's a there can be a positive thing to it. Like Living it in just, Nashville. I think yeah. moving to Nashville yeah. has been, you know, for me, and just seeing kind of the, the level of excellence all around yeah. you. The, where the bar the, is set. Yeah, yeah. It really does... It's not. It, you're right. It's not a bad thing. There is a certainly a bad way to take it. Yes. A way to internalize it in a way that's really unhealthy, but there is also a way of looking at it and saying, "Man, I'm surrounded by great people. I I want to strive to. It, it that yeah. makes me want to become as good as them. It makes me want to like that rise to that. Hand in your back can be a yeah. productive thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Like rise to the level of excellence, but maybe not mimic. You know, right? Like, yeah, like finding, yeah. finding, yeah, that, like, or not, not say I have to be. Now, Paul was a pretty competitive guy, and he was a perfectionist and confident. Yes, yeah. and so clearly he is taking it that way. You know, he is taking it and saying like, "Well, I, I want to be better. I want to go." You know, and, and I can, and I can. You know, yeah. yeah. And otherwise, he may not. Who knows what he would have been pushed to? But hmm. we have that to thank at least for for yeah. at least this album. Um, I was saying earlier that. There is one song that was banned by the BBC, and it was A Day in the Life because of the line, I'd love to turn you on, because mm -hmm. they thought it was kind of encouraging people to take drugs. 
And so that song there we go is back to the same I'm thing. I'm so surprised that that would be the line that like sacked them on BBC. Well, and that one, particularly the way it's placed, it's sort of like lingers, right? In a way that's yeah. in, uncomfortable a little yeah, bit. Yeah. 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 So maybe that was part of it. Oh, yeah. sure. I mean, yeah, the way it's very, it's very in your face. It's very kind of, yeah, it's in that point in the, it's very it's seductive. It, it's drawing you into the piece of music for yes. sure. Yeah. And that definitely, I can see, yeah, a lot of parents probably worrying about their kids if they're listening to that, you know. And we should probably say, no doubt, there were millions of teenagers and 20-somethings who got high to this record over and over. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yes. Right. Who maybe had never experienced it before, Sure. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, so, they, not what, totally unjustified. It, it wasn't unfounded, sure. that's, <laughs> yes. that's for sure. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, well, to close it off, I did find the sales figures. This sold 32 million copies. Okay. Wow. That'll do. That's... Yeah, that'll get your money back. Yeah, they got, they uh, got their money back. Take that, George Martin. <laughs> and we can also say that uh, when the Rolling Stone did their 100 greatest records of all time, mm. great rock and roll records of all time, number one. Was yep. it? Yeah. Yeah. And pretty much undisputed. I can see why. Yeah. Yeah. After listening to it. Yeah, I think the step up last week we were talking about Revolver and we I just and they were making fun of me because I was I kept saying it was a turning point or I kept saying something along those lines like it's a new leaf like it's a transition and it was and it's interesting how this doesn't really feel like that again this just feels like it's this massive step up mm-hmm. there's almost nothing to compare it to you can you can compare Revolver to Rubber Soul yeah. But like Revolver to this, they're different animals. It's oh, like yeah. a mammal and a fish. It's yeah. like it's a different just, band. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, we have three albums left. Mm. Four. Four albums Four. left. So our next one will be Magical Mystery Tour and maybe Pieces of Yellow Submarine. We'll see. Okay. Uh, we'll, we'll probably dip our toes into that. When you get to Let It Be, are you going to give homework to the listeners that they have to watch the documentary? Yes. Or, and we're going to do— Are you going to make him watch the documentary? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. We're it's a commitment. We're, we're also going to do Abbey Road last. We're going to do it in recording order, Rightly not so. in yeah, release yeah. order. Yeah. We've decided that. Uh, so, yeah, looking forward to that. We are. Uh, John, thank you so much for coming yes. on. Thank you. This is fun. Experience. So, so, yeah, uh, before you go, I wanted to ask— uh, you didn't really get into like what what did it feel like in that moment? You were eight years old, so when conflicted. You saw that. Uh, yeah. Well, my heart on the beating sorry fast. on yeah. the Ed Sullivan show. Just yeah, yeah, yeah. People back, but so internally conflicted even at that age. That was I doing something that was a sin, which yeah. my church would have taught to like this music. Yeah, but you also kind of can't help it, right? Yeah, uh, and I remember like at. What would I have been sixth grade? What would that have been? They were selling Beatles wigs at yeah. the local <laughs> five and dime store in this in my little town. And like two or three of of the boys had Beatles wigs and they were wearing them at school. Wow. <laughs> and the teachers making them take them off because, you know, the Beatles were the drug right. man at the time. Yeah. And but me being so jealous that they had Beatles wigs, you know. Yeah. So uh I guess you would have to say in the final analysis, the the devil on my shoulder won out <laughs> because uh, like the music was just too good. And, and once I got old enough to be, I guess in my fifteen and sixteen year old, I think my mom, who was really the driver of it all, mm-hmm. kind of gave up. And 
even though my church that we were still going to would still have held the same position, she kind of let me go and, and realizing this was so influential musically in my life. And I was yeah. now playing music and, you know, I'm figuring out Beatles songs on the piano. And she, uh, she made to her credit, you know, let me go and, and explore it. Yeah. So I've always appreciated that. And I, I don't know where people would be, you know, most of those people who drove that into my church would be dead now. And I don't know how they felt, you know, on their deathbed about the Beatles. <laughs> but it was going to be the number one way the communists took over America. So, yeah. Wow. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> crazy. <laughs> what and people then come up with? You would have been about 11 when this album came out. Do you, what were your, like, what were your memories about this? I didn't and, hear it when it came out. Okay. You know, uh, I was probably... 16, maybe 17 yeah. when I had this. I had it on 8-track. I yeah. do remember okay. that. Yeah. Uh, and, like, there were some 8-tracks. You know what I'm talking about. I with do. Eight tracks. I yeah. sure do, yeah. That the track would change during the song, you know? and It would kind of oh, slip? Like, it would No, it would go from the first track to the second or the second to the th- There were literally four tracks of right. an 8-track that the channels would switch because you could only get like three songs on one track. Okay. And that was a problem for this one because of the seamless yeah, nature. of course. And I just remember what a crappy thing, this format that it's <laughs> interrupting this, you know. Like right before a day in the life, the track would change, you know. Yeah. Gross. But, uh, <laughs> uh, I, you know, I wish I could have enjoyed it when it came out. But that's yeah. just, that was my story. I, I sure. had to fight this sort of fundamentalism to yeah. be able to listen. And also, just in my own heart, wondering if I was sinning to listen to it. So I have a special appreciation and celebration yeah. now that I'm at this place that I can yeah. really enjoy and break it down like we have here today. Yeah, my, my uh, similar story, my my parents really kept it pretty much to like Christian music when I was yeah. a kid and I got introduced to the Beatles when I was around maybe 11. Okay. But it was my dad. My dad was a musician and in, 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 like a professional musician in the 80s and he, uh, you know, the Beatles were like his favorite band and they uh-huh. he remembers them from the Ed Sullivan show and all yeah. this stuff. And uh, he had been very guarded about a lot of his old music with me because... Yeah. Uh, just that was his old life and he really didn't, he didn't, he felt like that was that he kind of equated that with his, you know, his kind of carnal nature, uh, before he kind of came to Jesus. And so he, he, he saw that as like a, you know, a a delineation point for him in his life. And so he had a lot of really strong feelings about, or mixed feelings about when, you know, to introduce me to that stuff. But he eventually, he gave me Elvis, he gave me the Beach Boys, and then he (laughs) gave me the the Beatles. And so he was the one who was able to, like, introduce me to it. Yeah. And so I really didn't know a lot of music at that point. So that was really one of the first things that I really got into. And the first time, I think I've said this on a previous episode, but, like, I had a Beatles songbook, and that was the first thing that I had. And that that I would, I just learned how to play chords on the piano. And that was how I started playing music was from these songs. My sister got me a a catalog of guitar tabs uh, for Beatles songs for Christmas. Mm. And I remember opening going, is this okay? (laughs) Uh, But but being so excited, you know, to start to play some of the songs. And like, I I just wonder if my parents were ever talking about it, like, should we let him have that? Yeah, yeah. Do I need to take that away from him or burn it for heaven's sake? (laughs) Uh, But I did have to burn a few of my early singles that I I wish I still had, you know. Yeah, 
Yeah. Well, well, now we have Apple Music and Spotify. So yeah. Oh, and and of course the big joke now is like, listen to hip hop and contrast that to the scandalous nature right. of any of this, right? Yeah. These songs are so hand. wholesome. <laughs> and they were talking about love and yeah. uh, women and all you need is love. Are you kidding? Yeah. <laughs> Contrasted to what people talk about today, I guess I that's know. just a reflection of the societal changes. Yeah. But, you know, as a 15-year-old to have been able to say, you won't believe what they're going to be talking about <laughs> 30 <laughs> years from now. <laughs> right. Or even 10 years You from better now. die quick. <laughs> you're, you're not ready for what's coming. It's time for the changing of the guard. That's yeah. right. All right. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Thank you, John, again, for yes, coming. Thank you, thank you guys. Talking yeah. with us. And uh, we'll see you all next time for a Magical Mystery Tour. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.